Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones, and I am your host. Over the first three months of the year, I had candid conversations with three women of God who shared their stories, shared their faith, and they shared their works. The topic is religion. And for the next three months, I will be having candid conversations with men of faith to hear their stories. 2020 may be over, but the start of 2021 sent our nation spinning out of control, proving the point that the world is in need of love. But where do the church fit into all of this? What is the church's current state? And what are the men's roles in instructing the next generation? This is a man's world after all. So let's hear what they have to say. My guest today is Mr. Omar Lyles of East Orange, New Jersey. Mr. Lyles is a longtime volunteer and a community activist. He is a life coach, a mental health awareness speaker, and a certified dementia practitioner. Mr. Lyles is a graduate of New York Divinity School with a master's of religion and a doctorate in ministry with an emphasis in pastoral leadership at Andersonville Theological Seminary. He is a member of National Association of Christian Ministers and he has recently been appointed a chaplain with the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. He is a minister in training at Shiloh Baptist Church. He is also the founder of a Christian singles and couples ministry called Agape Love Network, LLC. So welcome to my show, Mr. Lyles. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm doing fine. Good. You know, it's, it's my pleasure to actually have you on today. Um, I hope that you find this candid conversation just as pleasing to you as it will be to me because I love having conversations. And as you know, my topic is religion. So this could be a free-for-all, but I want you to tell us first your spiritual journey. How did you get to where you are right now? How did you become the activist, the, the community leader, the um, have an organization for single Christian people? How did you get to this place? What is your spiritual journey? Where did it begin? Uh, well, actually, you know, before I actually got to this specific uh, place, uh, it took years and years and years, actually, for me to actually learn, go to seminaries, and, um, you know, just to build up to where I'm at right now. Uh, actually, it stemmed from my uh, experiences in which um, I have um, pretty much gotten into a lot of experiences with a lot of issues in my personal life. And from my personal life, uh, I've developed um, me building myself up uh, as far as learning about God, trying to find my way and to discover who God was in my personal life because of some tragic issues. Uh, I had a few people who had actually passed away, and I was really just trying to find an open door, trying to figure out where my life was actually heading. Uh, but later on, I found, you know, my calling in which uh, I felt that it was this, that God was leading me into a different direction in terms of uh, helping people, helping people discover who they are, um, trying to just pretty much find their path of, of knowing uh, salvation and learning about who God is in their personal life. And so, but later on, uh, 
over the years, um, after we graduated seminary, I started a seminary uh, school, and that really didn't go so well. But I found my calling actually to be between uh, singles and couples um, so that they could better prepare themselves for uh, like marriage, uh, life goals, coaching, and other various topics. You know, it is definitely important for people to know what their calling is. You mentioned that you started a seminary school. How does one start a seminary school? How did I uh, learn in seminary school? Yeah, how does how do you come to um, create, run, or start a seminary school? How does that happen? I'm, cur- uh, wow. I'm curious. Uh, no, I'm I'm curious as to you know how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Um, I was uh, I was in school at the time. I think I was like um, just getting out of high school, and. Um, during the time when uh, I was really just trying to learn the Bible, and I was approached by various individuals from different faiths, and many of them, uh, my foundation was in, in my Christian faith, in which I had actually believed in, because my grandparents, they were pastors, uh, but later down the years, my grandmother had got sick, and uh, she weren't pastoring no more, so the family was pretty much afloat. However, I was in school and learning about Scripture. Uh, I didn't know any Christian history. Uh, I didn't know uh, the foundation of what my faith actually entails. So one day, um, I was being approached by many various uh, faiths, as I was stating before. So um, I decided to myself, I said, you know what? Um, I, I don't feel like I'm getting enough, even from church. Um, I was going to Bible study, but I really wanted more in-depth training. So I said, you know what? I'm being approached by these various groups. So what I need to do is that I need to go to some form of Bible school. So I first started out going to an institute. An institute is pretty much an entry-level kind of training. Uh, It's not seminary training, but um, it puts you up there. It gives you the basic uh, uh, training um, if you want to know of the Word of God, and it can be on various subjects such as Old Testament, New Testament, uh, uh, discipleship, and those things like that. You just needed a strong foundation, so I started up with there. But the craziest thing that in my discovery was that um, I was also looking for colleges as well, because before the Institute, I was really looking for like Bible colleges mm-hmm. or other theological seminaries. But I a- actually asked my uh, teacher during that time. So uh, my teacher, his name was Dr. McKenzie, and um, I said, uh, Dr. McKenzie, uh, I'm looking for some colleges and stuff to go to. And so um, he said, oh, well, what do you want to do? I said, you know what? I, I really just want to learn, um, get a Bible college degree. You know, like I want like Christian education, uh, theology, biblical counseling. He said, oh, well, why don't you go where I teach at? I said, where you teach at? And he was just like, well, yeah, I'm a... I'm a professor. I teach seminary and Bible classes. And I said, what? I said, really? Because I was, the day before I asked them, I looked in the yellow pages. And in the yellow pages, it had um, uh, the name of the school. And uh, so in our conversation, he said, I teach that such and such. And I said, wow. I was just looking in the yellow pages at this school. He said, yes. He was not only just my science teacher, he also became my teacher when I went to the Bible school. 
So it was dope. He happened to be my instructor on both ends. So it was just real fascinating how the two to two had came together. And so uh, but my experience in seminary was a lot more broader because you learn about church history. You learn about hermeneutics, the art and science of biblical interpretation and how to interpret scripture when you're actually reading it mm-hmm. because you always look for context. You know, you want to know about the historical background, who wrote the text, why the text was written, um, and not necessarily going by what other people had said, too. So the journey actually still goes on even after you graduate because you, it, it takes a lifetime of actually learning. You just don't stop there because a lot of people, they get their bachelor's in theology or uh, whatever area that they actually major in, and they say to themselves, why have I arrived? Well, you haven't arrived because this actually is a lifetime of study and not necessarily a vocation because some people, they look at it as a vocation, like uh, like if you want to be a minister or a Christian counselor. It's more than that. Um, it goes beyond the pale of a vocation or a career. It's a lifetime kind of commitment that you're making to the people and service to God and humanity all together. And so it, it's very interesting that seminary trains people, but not only trains you, it trains you mentally and spiritually at the same time, you know? And so that was pretty much uh, my experience and how I came about it. Well, thanks for sharing it and sharing it in the way that you shared it, because I often try to explain that very thing to individuals when um, I talk about um, a journey. It's not just learning Bible study. It's not just Bible study. It goes way beyond that. Um, it was the same for me, pretty much my journey like yours, as I also started um, learning and getting my instructions and, and following through and starting from the ground level and working my way up and still in training right now, still learning right now, still trying to get to a place of understanding. So I want to thank you for explaining that level because it's important to know that you never really get to a place of, that's it, I know this, I am the expert on all, you never, you never get there. It's lifelong until you're in the grave. So thank you for sharing that. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, what's happening in the world and the um, the role that the church plays in what's happening in the world. Um, just for the sake of our listeners, because it'll be a little while before we actually um, air this particular um, podcast. But today is Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. We're celebrating um, him today. January 18th, 2021. And we know that the country right now is in a bit of an unrest. Can we talk about that a little bit? What's happening? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, what's going on, you know, pretty much today uh, as of right now, um, as far as uh, uh, politics is concerned, in which that you're elaborating? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, uh, but a, a, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. But a little bit more than politics. Um, okay. It's it's yeah. in our spiritual self and the religions of, of yeah, what yeah. We're, we're we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know something. Um, it, it, it's very. Um, we're, we're actually living uh, in a very perilous time, I would say, because um, and, and the world has been living in perilous times 
uh, since the beginning uh, of the fall. Yes, sir. You know, um, you know, where evil had pretty much uh, came into the world, and uh, man has uh, sin has fallen upon man, and so evil has always been running rampant through the, through the world. However, as we increase toward the end, violence and corruption will will continue to grow more and more and more and more. This is just proves man's uh, fallenness, uh, man's inhumanity to man. Uh, and so his behavior, the way he thinks, uh, uh, and how he acts toward other humans just proves how wicked and, and vile man can be. Mm-hmm. Even though there are people uh, that are good in the world, there are people in the world uh, that's willing to serve other people, but all have fall, sh- fall, fall short of the glory of God. And so uh, what's going on in, spiritually is a war. This is a spiritual war that is going on between principalities and powers and high places, you know, and so one of the mechanisms that we have to do during these times is, is, is pray. And not only just pray, we pray and do. You know, because I always hear the term, just pray for this and pray for that. It's more than just prayer. Mm-hmm. You have to get into the mode of actually helping people, you know. If there's people who are suffering, people who are, who are homeless, you know, you want to uh, help them financially or uh, uh help them uh, in ways, you know, to help them uh, find homes and giving them clothing. We call that, you know, um, helping people on a social level as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, the Bible talks about wars and rumors of wars, and all these things will continue to happen up until the very end, you know, up until the return of Christ. And so we'll continue to have these uh issues going on in our world, you know, uh, you have conflicts with government, uh, leaders, uh, uh, disputing between, uh, other, uh, leaders and nations against nation and, uh, father against mother and sister against, uh, brother, all those things will continue to happen. So the state that we're living in is a state of fallenness, mm-hmm. you know, however, it is we as, as, as human beings, have to be in a position where we have to stand firm in our faith and where we and where we believe that we'll go in the future. Okay, and how do we do that? Uh, well, how do we do that? Number one, uh, we have to come to the realization, and uh, this is not for everybody, but uh, in my personal life, I'm going to let you know how I actually came about this, mm-hmm. and then I'll fall into that. Uh, I would say that in my personal life, I couldn't live my life literally on my own, by myself. I wanted a place where I believed within myself where I would be after I leave this earth for eternity because I believe in uh, 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 what is the state of humanity once we depart from this earth. Mm-hmm. And once we depart from this earth, will we be into judgment? And there are a lot of people who say to themselves, oh, well, I can just live a good life, and then uh, I will eventually uh, make, it my, make my way into heaven. And then there are those who simply just don't believe. They just believe that they'll just go to the grave and then perish. For myself, I wanted to be an individual that wanted to have a, uh, that wanted to live 
uh, forever into the afterlife. And uh, I thought about my family, my friends, and uh, there were a lot of people who passed along the way. And so I myself wanted to be that individual uh, who wanted to be with Christ for all eternity. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what uh, me and my personal life, I wanted to have a sense of, of salvation and a foundation for what I actually believed in. Uh, so how does a person come to actually uh, uh, wanting to know if they're going to have uh, uh, life after we leave this earth, and that is to come to the realization of an encounter with Jesus Christ, who was our Lord and Savior. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, and so uh, anyone who believes in Christ can, uh, can go to heaven. Whosoever believes in, in Christ can go to heaven. Um, and so that's the actual foundation. The foundation is your faith in what you actually believe in. Now, there are others uh, who may not have that specific uh, belief, and um, they don't pretty much don't uh, believe in what we do. But this is what uh, my view of my faith and what I believe that I belong to, um, you know, and so, um, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, you yourself uh, can enter into enter heaven. You, uh, no one can come to the Father except through me, in which Christ has spoken. Uh, so those are just the foundational element of one obtaining salvation. Okay. That was actually an excellent um, explanation. Um, we as Christians... And I say we as Christian identify as Christian myself. Um, sometimes there's a lot of confusion as to um, what we're supposed to do, um, what others are supposed to do. Um, you had mentioned earlier about um, there are some who think that they could just live a good life and then go to heaven. Is it isn't a living a good life part of being a Christian? Living a good life. Uh, yes, say, say it again. Isn't living a good life a part of being a Christian, a part of what God expects of us? What is it that God expects from his people, for instance? Um, you know, Micah tells us that um, what God expects from us is for us to love mercy, to live justly and walk humbly with our God. Right. So. Are individuals wrong to believe that a life with God is to do those things, is to love mercy and justice and to live righteously and and to walk humbly with God? To walk humbly with God is a personal um, endeavor. So you're not individuals are not wrong to believe that that is how they will get to the next life or wherever heaven or whatever you call it. And the next part of where we go from this life. I believe that we're just passing through this particular world. This is not our final place to be. We're passing through this place. But there is a way in which we pass through this place. You you, you follow what I'm saying? So living a good life, a, a righteous life, a life of of understanding that we must be merciful. But we also must stand up for, for right for justice, for, for liberty, for all of the things that 
that we believe God stands for. Isn't it our duty to stand up for that as well? Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let me uh, try and uh, let me try and say this: is that um, if we would like to ask the question of uh, living a good life, and where uh, it comes to our salvation, and living a good life is it, fine. As long as you are in alignment with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and so the simplest uh, let me say this that the simplest definition of salvation is to be delivered, you know, or rescued from peril. Now, the, it takes a little bit of shape, as I figured out, um, when it comes down to uh, getting saved. And the most common meaning of salvation is to be saved by God. And so um, there are consequences of even for our sin. So the Bible speaks of our salvation. Um, it simply means by that we are being rescued from uh, 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 being being rescued from God's wrath. And so, but living a good life would mean, in a sense, that you're living a life to honor God. And so, but when we think about salvation, it's, 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 it's helpful to think about that we are saved from what we're saved, uh, what we're going to be saved to, and where we are saved, and what we are actually saved by. We are saved by Christ. Uh, we're saved from the wrath of God. And so living, living a good life will actually be uh, living uh, uh, as a disciple of Christ, living at a uh, in, in a space where we were uh, uh, giving honor to other people, uh, living a life to where we would love and honor our brothers and sisters, love our, uh, loving your wives, your husbands, and everyone that's around you, you know. Um, and, and, and living a good life is wonderful, you know. But however, it is having an acknowledgement about where you would go into the afterlife, because in this life uh, we're living in a fallen place, and there are beautiful things that can happen in this life as well. Um, your life, life is not just full of darkness and gloom and not having fun and all those things like that, because God puts us on this earth not only to uh, 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 just go into church 24-7, you know, because even though we're designed here to worship God, we're here, we're here to enjoy all the beautiful things in which the God has given us from creation. You know, um, he has given us light, he's given us water, he's given us rain, he's given us all these things, you know, uh, to, that's given and provided for us to live a good life while we're here on earth. I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, again, I'm, I'm talking about what's in the heart of men and women. Um, it is difficult sometimes. Let's talk about young people. It is difficult for, sometimes for us to, to teach um, young people the Bible, um, especially in the unrest that we find ourselves in. It's, are we, are we going to ignore 
what's happening around us just so that we can be in line with going to church and understanding um, the Bible? Can we, I, I'm trying to get us to a place where we are understanding that there needs to be some healing done. And how are we doing that? Because where I understand perfectly what you are saying, I understand that I, I, I've known the Lord ever since I was a child. I've followed this religion since I was a little girl. I know exactly what you're saying. But at the same time, I also see everything that is happening in the world. I see an America that's divided. I see hostility and racism and inequality and all the stuff that I see. And I'm wondering... How do we get past that while at the same time trying to, to continue in in our own spirituality, in our own religion? And I'm, I'm trying to find out how we get to a place of reconciliation because we have Christians that are divided. We have Christianity in America, which, you know, has been rooted in slavery. So we have all of this information out here. That says these things. Do we ignore it and act as though everything is uh, holier than thou, or do we address the elephant in the room? I understand what you're saying. I am truly a Christian myself and faithful to my God, but I can't ignore all the stuff that's happening around us. I can't ignore that. And how do we get to a place of fixing that? My question is, what does the, how does the church fit into that? How do we address those things? Because when we talk about Old Testament, they address those things. The people cried out to God and God heard them. So there's a crying out that's in the world right now. What is happening? What's the question? How do we get to that place of liberty? How do we get there? Uh, how do we get here is what you're, what you're asking? How do we get to a place of liberty? Because when we think about salvation, we talk about being saved. Are you just talking about a soul salvation where our soul is going to go when we die? Or are we talking about a liberty from the inequality, the racism, the hatred that we are still dealing with today, 400 years later. So my question is, what can the church offer to someone who is asking those particular questions? What is the role? How do we get to that place? We had our Martin Luther oh. Kings back in the, you know, in his era, we're celebrating his, his, his day today. We have our Malcolm X's who, who, how are we getting to a place of healing? Because we are not there. We are not in a place of healing. And I don't know if religion is, is, is going to wipe away all of, all of this. So help me out, sir. I, I want you to help me out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how do we actually yeah, arrive to this place? Um, like I said at the beginning, uh, we live in a fallen world. So evil is going to continue to actually be in the earth. 
And because sin is in the world, people will behave and respond because of evil. Uh, because evil is in the world, this is how our lives will actually be. Now, when there's injustice in the world, we have to respond to it with justice. You know, there are people who believe in uh, social justice issues. There are people who um, who combat uh, evil in the world through in various ways. Some people, uh, as, in our faith, many of us, we combat evil in the world through prayer, and some people through social justice, some people do through criminal reform. But the world we live in um, is that we're only passing through. But the highlight of, 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 of our future is to look toward the afterlife. Even though things that are going, that are going wrong and uh, uh, being us being in a fallen world and a fallen state that we're actually living in, um, how did we get to this place? We got to this place because of the fall. And because of the fall, things will continue to be as though they are. But they won't always be because there's a promise. There's a promise where Christ will reign for all eternity. You know, um, during the civil rights movement and all those things like that, you know, those were necessary during those times. And people, uh, or effectively using those same kind of strategies even until this day. And so uh, in this world, you're just gonna, we're just going to keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. However, the, the promise that is given to us is that this old world one day will wash away. It, it, it will go away. And so um, it will be an ongoing kind of struggle. But the life that we're living in, Christ did not promise that we will not have struggles. Uh, in this world, it's not promised that we won't uh, have depression, uh, sadness, uh, divorce, uh, abuse. All those things are going to continue to happen, and it will continue to happen no matter how much you fight racism. Racism in this world can never be eliminated. It will never eliminate, be eliminated. Uh, for the fact that we do live in a fallen world. Only at the moment of discovery when one, uh, when one becomes born again and receives Christ as their Lord and Savior, they get a new mind. A new mindset is a new kind of thinking, a new way of looking at life. And until people think differently, until their heart is changed, that's when people will actually change. Because people will never change. The disposition of a person's heart will always stay the same unless the Holy Spirit comes in and changes that person's mindset and their heart. On the, based on the condition of a person's heart, they won't change. If they're hardened, if they feel that racism is the way, they're going to keep, they're gonna keep um, being who they are. And people will always be who they are, and they will continue to be who you are until they get a change of mind, until you start educating people about racism, until you start educating people why it's wrong that, uh, to discriminate against someone else based on their skin color. Uh, they'll continue behaving, the, the, uh, behaving in such a way uh, uh, 
about uh, abusing the women in their lives when it comes down to domestic violence, and they'll they'll continue to even to abuse themselves uh, as far as like drugs. Uh, uh, the consuming of alcohol, and because people they don't feel good about themselves, they don't love themselves. But when a person acknowledges about them, uh, acknowledges in themselves that they're God's creation, that they're wonderfully, that they're beautifully and wonderfully made, um, that's when the life of that person can change. And and the same goes through all for all humanity. But and, but for right now, the world that we live in is a fallen world, and it won't change unless there's a change in the mindset and the lifestyle of people. Because without that kind of change, you'll never know what it's like to love your brother or your sister or your father or your uncles, and people are going to continue uh, uh, committing acts of evil against uh, people as far as uh, uh, nations bombing nations and wars, and all these things will continue to happen. And it's never going to again, never going to change unless there's a change of mindset and a, a change of disposition of the heart of a person. Okay, thank you for that. Let's change fields a little bit and let's talk about your organization, Agape Love Network. I like to talk about that. Sounds like a really cool group. What do you do? Yeah, say, say it again. Your organization, Agape Love Network. Uh, yes, well, Agape Love Network is a, actually a black Christian relationship of social group where we meet and greet in various places. Uh, the organization itself is for blacks uh, to have a space where singles and couples can actually come together and where singles can actually meet other black Christian singles at the same time. Uh, there are a lot of platforms, these a lot of dating sites and things of that nature, and they'll meet someone, they're paying this ridiculous amounts of money in order to meet somebody uh, for a day after you spent all that money, <laughs> you know, and then next thing you know, you're not with them anymore. So but what I want to do was create a fellowship where we can fellowship between one another and where we can actually get to know one another you know, as a collective, because uh, we wanted to have a space of our own. And not only that, that where people could actually meet your significant other, you could uh, network with someone, you can collaborate with someone in doing business. I'm also uh, in the process of creating a coaching program where I can, uh, where I can coach other people and to help them uh, grow, not just really just growing their faith, but uh, uh, coaching them to success, uh, to become also life coaches and relationship coaches, and where people will be uh, more uh, more established and wanting to uh, actually and more encouraged, uh, and to build the confidence in order to meet somebody else who's your significant other, and not only that. They can go out in the world. They'll feel more confident about who they about who they are. They may want to establish their own business. Um, if they have goals that they want to achieve, uh, we discuss those as things as well. And so we also have um, uh, a talk platform where we also invite others on to talk about various issues, such as um, uh, I would say various topics such as. Uh, marriage, um, living a life of singleness, um, uh, people being in abusive relationships, 
what do men look for, what do women look for, what is like being a single father, what is like being a single mother, uh, blended families, all those various topics we talk on or talk about uh, within the Godly Love Network. We also do uh, lectures, workshops, and we also do meet in Greece. We had uh, a number of them uh, in 2018 and 2019. Um, we, didn't, we didn't do a lot in 2020 simply because of the p- pandemic, and so everything is mostly virtual right now. But last year in the beginning, we had two meet and greets. We had one uh, in New Jersey, in Montclair, New Jersey. Then we had another one in, uh, in Washington, D.C., where we went to the, uh, the National uh, Black Museum. Uh, so we had a trip down there as well. Uh, uh, we have a website where individuals can actually become members of the organization, and then we'll have various other projects uh, taken from there. But the organization is pretty much centered around uh, singles and couples, where they meet and greet and fellowship in various places. It sounds like a lot of fun. It also sounds like a place where um, even a non-Christian could learn about Christianity, don't you think? Yes, uh, say it again one more time. I said um, it would be a place, I think, where non-Christians could actually learn a little bit more about uh, Christianity and Christian fellowship. Is, is that correct? Uh, well, you know what? Um, the organization is pretty much for Christians. Um, but um, they will have to understand that it's a Christian organization, but it's still open to other people. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to um, add? This is your time. Is this something that you like to talk about? What is a message that you would give to your listeners who um, might be asking a question about where do they go from there? What if they if they want to change their lives? How do they do that? What would be your advice to someone who's looking to change their lives? Don't know what direction they want to go into. They know that they that they want to be different, better, have a, a more um, productive life. So what would you tell a young person? Because... Um, Young people need direction. So what would you tell a young person who's looking for direction? Yeah, uh, uh, my my suggestion is for anyone um, who wants to live a lot more a productive uh, a productive life uh, is, is to look, look to God and try to figure out who you are and in, in, in the discovery of who, who you are as a person. Um, a lot of times there are a lot of people who have low self-esteem issues and um, they don't know the direction about where they want to go or what they want to do. And so um, they stay in this uh, stagnant position um, for many, many, many years, never reaching to a level of success, simply because they feel less worthy about who they are as a person. Um, I think that love is one of the... Uh, one of the keys that people have to figure out is that it, once you love yourself and you begin to celebrate who you are as a person, you will um, begin, you would better actually to appreciate who you are as a person because, you know, you, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. You know, there are a lot of black women um, who feel that 
they don't um, look good themselves, and they're not beautiful um, that from themselves. They don't feel that way, um, that they'll be successful in life, some of them, not everybody. But because of the color of their skin, the complexion, you know, where if you're light, brown, or dark, they feel more inferior, that they can't make, because the world that we live in is not dominant, is dominated, you know, and uh, we are the minorities. And so once we build that confidence about who we are, we could, we could come to a level of thinking that we could achieve better for ourselves in the world. Um, so that's pretty much my particular advice that I would give to people is um, know who you are. You know, it's all about self-discovery and uplifting yourself for who you are so that you can create a better path for you, yourself, and your life um, about who you are as a person, you know. And, uh, and lastly, um, if people want to know where I'm at on social media, uh, you can go to Facebook.com and uh, just type in Agape Love Networking or just Agape Love Network. We're also on Instagram uh, at Agape Love Network. We're also on BlackShare.net. Um, and also, my personal website is Omar the Graduate, uh, O-M-A-R-T-H-E-G-R-A-D-U-A-T-E at Omar the Graduate dot net. You can find me on those uh, Pacific platforms as well. So we have a lot of things that's coming up. As a matter of fact, speaking of love, uh, this, um, I believe, is this Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, yeah, Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have a subject on how can you love yourself more. Um, her name is Brandy Abira. She has a, uh, a singles network as well called Single Talk. And um, she's also the author of, uh, of a book called 365 Days of Loving You. And um, this book that she had actually written is based on the self-discovery in you loving yourself, not only as a black woman, but as a person, because anyone can actually read the book, you know. So um, we're having that come up as well. So um, just stay tuned, and uh, we're going to have a lot of exciting things. I'm uh, thankful for having this conversation uh, with you as well, uh, because these are conversations that a lot of people don't have uh, about life, where we are and where we stand, our mindsets, and uh, and how we think as as, as people, and uh, I just want to clear something up as well too, because as, as a person of faith, we are to love everybody, no matter what religious faith uh, you believe in, or uh, or uh, or who they are as a person. You know, we love everybody. You know, we may have differences on uh, what we believe in, but we're supposed to love everybody in humanity. Uh, no matter what religion uh, they be they belong to, um, and so uh, the the goal for me and my personal life is to help build people up, let them find who they are, you know, and 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 to treat people uh, how they should be treated, especially women, because a lot a lot of women in our lives um, uh, have been treated very 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 wrong. So we want to uplift the black woman uplift them for who they are as well, especially the young men, because there are a lot of young men uh, in our lives 
who have who have nothing really to look forward to, <laughs> you know, unless there are other men who are actually mentoring other men. Because right. that's one of my right. things too. I love to mentor other men. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about mentorship um, for young men. Um, you said you love to do that, which is wonderful because I know that women are trying to um, better themselves. They're trying to love themselves. They're trying to love all of those around them. They're working on themselves from the inside out. They understand who they are. They understand whose they are. And um, I wonder a lot, and I asked this on my uh, last guest, what are men doing to bring young men into that same place of loving themselves, knowing who they are, knowing whose they are, so that when they come together um, with these young women, that they are all on the same page and they have the same understanding of their walk and where they're going and the love that they have for each other. So I'm grateful that you brought that up. Uh, can we talk a little bit about um, mentorship to um, young young men? Yeah, well, you know, when it, when it comes down, uh, now me, uh, our organization pretty much don't mentor young men, but it's geared toward uh, adults. However, um, uh, when it comes down to mentoring uh, young men, it could actually uh, help them in the long run. Because uh, me personally, I didn't have mentors growing up. Um, I didn't have anyone to lead and help me, guide me into the direction I pretty much found my own way <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> you know, because, you know, when you're living in that life where there are a lot of people who are in the streets and, um, you know, and the only thing that you're connected to, I mean, I lived in a in a fairly decent neighborhood. You know, I lived in a one-family house. But both my parents went in the house always together. And so, but I didn't have the kind of mentor uh, that is needed. Um, however, I have them now, you know, uh, to help me um, as I go through life. So a lot of men need, uh, need a lot of mentoring. I belong to an organization called King Movement. And another organization I belong to is called the Extraordinary League of Men. And both organizations, uh, are, both organizations are, are pretty much new. The King Movement uh, is pretty much a new organization. It's founded by Chris Bussard. And uh, they're having programs where they serve this community and also uh, help young men as well by mentoring them. Uh, they're mentoring them in the schools. Um, and also a lot of through a lot of outreach programs as well, and so the same thing with the extraordinary league of men. They're going to be uh, mentoring men in the future too, and so. But a lot of young men don't have the guidance simply because there are not enough men to step up to the plate of of helping these men to get them through, through school and maybe having a desire to graduate one day and go to college and be something of themselves. And many of them are falling and, uh, and being shot and killed, you know, uh, every single week, every single month. There's a tragedy of a young man uh, who lost his life uh, because of some tragic act of violence. But if we don't intervene as men and speak to those issues, he will uh, uh, he will lose someone that can be a very very important to us as a people um, 
in our world, you know. Who knows what that young man will actually be when he grows up. Maybe he could become a lawyer, uh, 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 run for office to be governor or president or become a professor, uh, a minister or a psychologist or someone that would be able to help or some other career. Um, young people are the vital fabric of our society because without um, the mentorship, um, we will, we will continue to go that line, down that line of losing them if they don't get them the help that they need. Absolutely. That brings me to my previous question that I asked earlier about the role of the church in the mentoring of young men, black men especially. Um, we're talking about young black men. And so I, I guess maybe my question got lost in the in the earlier part of this when I wanted to know what is the church's role in um, talking to, intervening, um, coming to some kind of terms with these young men who do not see um, life the way you see life. Um, they're out there. They're, like you said, getting cut down. They're getting killed. They're they're being held back. They're all of this stuff that's happening. My question was, what is the church's role? What do you think the church's role is? You mentioned just a few minutes ago that there's not that many um, mentoring programs for young um, black men. Should there be? Should the church intervene? Should there be more of a mentoring program built into some of these sermons for these young men? That's my question. Because I also recognized what's going on on the street. Yeah, you're asking about young men. Yes, young young black men specifically. Yes, about them as far as like being mentored. Yes, what's the church's role in that? Uh, well, you know, as far as you know, young men being mentored, I, I think the simplest thing is just for a lot of older men. Um, uh, who have been through uh, life and pretty much uh, have a uh, level of responsibility of mentoring, of mentoring them. Uh, as far as looking, young men looking forward to uh, better than themselves uh, in life is just uh, for them uh, having to seek someone else, you know, who, who has a positive image about themselves. Okay. Okay, I'll accept that. Well, it has been my pleasure to have you on these airwaves. You said a lot of important things, and I'm glad that you had the opportunity to say them because they needed to be heard. And I'm grateful to have given you a platform in order for you to say all the things that you've said. Um, you talked about the programs that were upcoming Will there be recorded versions of those programs? Because by the time this podcast hit the airwaves, your program would have been already over. Will there be a way for them to have access to that program later on? Uh, yes. Okay, great. Okay. Well, is there is there anything you want to add? Uh, pretty much that's it. You know, I just thank you for, you know, for having me on and, uh, you know, and we'll talk again in the future. <laughs> I hope so. I really do hope so. I, I love your program. And, um, 
we have like relationship series going on in our ministry and um I I would love to um have you come and speak if that's at all possible. Oh, sure, anytime. All right then. Okay. So thank you um for being on my show. I really appreciate you. I want you to know how much I appreciate you and I thank you for oh, thank sharing you. your life journey with us. All right. Okay. So you have a good day, all right? Uh, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Mr. Omar Lyles from East Orange. And also he is the founder of a Christian Singles and Couples Ministry, Agape Love Network. I enjoy having these candid conversations with individuals. My topic is religion for a lot of reasons. Because religion seems to be... Hmm, I, 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 I feel a certain way about the responsibility that we have in our religious community to uplift, motivate, encourage, and um, educate our young people. Um, that would include everything that's happening in the world today. That would include all of the violence, the hatred, the racism. I think that we do a disservice when we gloss over all of the things that are happening in the world just so we can get our religious agenda out. I say that because as I think about Jesus, um, when I think about his life, and I think about um, what he taught, what he was about, and how he stood up to religious organizations that did not address the needs of the people. We say that we address the needs of the people, but we look around and we see that the needs of the people are not being addressed. I don't know if this program is going to bring about the solution that I am looking to bring about, a solution in which we as a community can come together to um, educate ourselves, um, to bring ourselves into a right relationship not just with God but with ourselves as a community we say that race doesn't matter and that we are supposed to love everyone I agree with that too I agree with all of it I am a practicing Christian myself but at the same time I also agree that we must first take care of the inconsistencies that keep us as a community from moving forward and being able to live um, a good life. Scripture tells us that we were created to do good works and we have the ability to do good works. I'm not sure I agree with the, the world is evil, it's gonna be evil and we're not going to have a good life until we reach heaven. That seems to be the problem. We keep waiting for heaven instead of working on our situations and, and our um, problems that we have right here in front of us. I wonder how many of us are sitting and waiting for heaven. I know the world's evil. You don't have to tell me I'm not naive over the fact of the evil that is in the world. But at the same time, I also know the ability that we have. 
within ourselves the power that we have been given to make certain changes in this, this world and in our lives. We would be blind to not see all of the inconsistencies, the racism, the hatred that has been directed toward our people. And for us to simply ignore that and say, oh, things will get better when we, you know, get to heaven is not something that I want to hear, nor is it anything that young people want to hear who's out here struggling every single day and trying to get over, get by. There should be mentoring programs. There should be programs for young men because there are programs out there for young men that you don't approve of. And while they are getting caught up in gangs and other ways that they can find some kind of place where they can feel safe, we need to be making them safe. What are you doing is the question. What is the church doing is the question. But of course the question is always evaded. It's not about what the church can do. Everyone needs to do it on their own. I get that. I do get that can't force an awakening people need to awaken on their own I get that but I still see such a disconnect between what the church's role is and what our role is so anyway I'm gonna keep searching for answers I'm gonna keep talking to people and seeing if I can find a way that we can bridge this gap and we can talk about the truth that we can talk about what is really happening in the world instead of glossing it over. The truth of the matter is not everybody's Christian. And as long as we keep saying that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ, we're going to lose a whole lot of people. I'm not trying to vilify Christianity. I'm not trying to vilify religion. What I'm trying to do is get us to a talking place where we can talk about all of our differences but we can also talk about all the ways that we are the same god is everywhere it's in you it's in me it's in every single person black or white brown and yellow god is everywhere and if you don't see god when you see me well then that's the problem maybe there wouldn't be so much violence in the world if you thought that the person that you were spreading your hate toward was the very person that you claim you love. God is in me. And if you look at me and you only see my color and you don't see God within me, you are looking with wrong eyes. Let's get to a place where we recognize the God in everyone. Then we will get to a place where we can heal this nation. I don't really want to wait to heaven. Heaven is elusive. We can talk about heaven all day long. But let's talk about the problems that we have right here on this earth. My name is Dr. Caroline Padilla Jones, and you've been listening to Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Padilla Jones. See you next time. We have come to the end of another episode. My name is Dr. Caroline Pathea Jones and I am your host. And just a little bit of information to give you about Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry. Sisters Helping Sisters in Christ Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit mentoring ministry committed to forming a strong bond among women for the purpose of encouraging, 
motivating, uplifting, strengthening, and empowering women to achieve their goals. This ministry works toward excellence through biblical studies, spiritual awareness, empowerment classes, and life-building workshops. This program was developed to encourage, uplift, educate, and empower women who have a desire to change their lives. All levels are welcome to attend. Hope to see you again next time with another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Padilla-Jones. See you soon.